This week on An Hour with Flower, I chat with somebody who I first met in 2018. He was at the 4.7 Worlds, he finished 38th there, and now he's progressed through the radio into the standard and won the Youth National Championships in the standard in 2020. I'm, of course, talking about Drew Barnes. Drew, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, been a busy few weeks trying to get back on the water, but slowly getting there. So, going back to that first time I met you in 2018 at the 4.7 Worlds, Gdynia, anything you can remember about that venue? It's a, it's a brilliant venue. There's lots of space. Um, remember the launching was quite tight. Um, they had like three or four little slipways and no one was launching from the beach because there was other classes there. and there was ever, Everyone was pushing to get out. Remember the conditions, it's quite like um, Weymouth Harbour, quite like choppy and and just like abnormal waves. But it was quite good. Quite enjoyed that week. It was good fun. I, I really like Gdynia as a venue. And like you said, it's quite similar to sailing up Weymouth or as well. It's very similar to sailing in Torquay. Have you ever sailed in Torquay? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few times back in the Oppie days and 4.7s. So it's quite similar to those two venues. And I mean, when I was there the week before... We were just launching off the the wall, off the side, because the slipways were so small. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So that was your first event. Uh, sorry, that was the first event we met. But your first event in the four point seven was two years prior at the nationals in Weymouth, and it didn't go entirely to plan. So, um, me, I obviously knew after our piece that I was going to be getting into a four point seven. So. I just thought, you know what, let's just try it. So me and Dad and Mum, we all went down to Weymouth. And I was in my mum's boat and um, I was still in office at the time and we did the Nationals. And I, I went out every day and it was a windy week and I probably came last in every single race, to be honest. Um, and one of the highlights of the week, I remember there was a video published by someone and it pretty much was a video of Hannah Snellgrove in the radio overtaking me by like a leg. Um, and she was in the radio and I was in the 4.7, which means that she'd started behind me by at least 10 minutes and still overtaken me by at least a leg. <laughs> As, uh, you know, it shows how good Hannah is, you know, being in the British sailing <laughs> team. And also for you at the time, it goes, OK, I've got to put more work in. I'm sure you felt at the time. Yeah. Yeah. After that, I stayed in office for a long time because I was small. <laughs> so how was it when you stepped up from the Oppie into a 4.7 was it quite daunting was it quite uh I remember I was quite up, up quite up for it you know it's a different boat um I think as you get older in the Oppies you want to you want to go up to a new class um but yeah like like you say it's like a whole different level of power and then as slowly as you get the to the bigger and bigger rigs you realize that every time you go up that it's a whole other level of power so, so it's similar it's kind of like changing schools in a way, but at the time you thought, okay, I'll spend a little bit more time in the Oppie. Why, why was that in particular? So I, I think when I did that event, I was probably like 45 kilos, to be honest. So I was no way big enough for the 4.7. I can't and remember when I was 45 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I stayed in the Oppie for, for the winter, I think, and I think I transitioned uh, end of 2016 to start of 2017 that year. And when you transitioned, was it sort of when you were sailing the 4.7 more and more? When was the point where you were, felt comfortable with sailing that 4.7 in the breeze on a regular basis? 
can't answer that honestly. I've never. Well, I I enjoy. I really love going and going out in heavy winds, but I've never been the best in it. Um, I think I think I've always enjoyed going out. So any time was it, it was windy, I was up for it. But at racing, obviously, everyone that knows me would agree that I enjoy medium to light winds. <laughs> Especially in the standard right now, you know, getting a superb result yeah. at the last qualifier in the standard. Very light wind event. So back in the 4.7 day, you're still a sort of light wind master. Was that the same in the Oppie as well? Um, if I'm honest, in the Oppie, I never, I never got to grips with it. I could say slash I wasn't very good. I got into um, like the development squad. Um, nothing major. I never even went got to go to the selections, which any Oppie sailor would know about. I think I got in on my last year and I didn't even go to it. So I wasn't the best in Oppies, but it was a good. I, I really enjoyed it and made loads of friends from it, which is the main thing. So, what would you say are the main differences from the Oppie to the four point seven, besides the boat, of course? So I think some the the once you move out of an oppie slash as you're moving out of an oppie, I think you start to realise how to to sail rather than just doing it for the fun of it. You also learn how to race and how to look at it in a different way. And I think for me that took quite a long time to realise that. So that might have been why I progressed a bit later on than everyone else because um, I realised how to race and how to sail properly rather than just going or oh, going to see all my friends in the weekend which I still do, but it's also about the racing and the, the results as well now, as well as being with friends. And I think as you move up the ladder, it becomes more and more you know, competitive and more and more people yeah. are taking it seriously. And But it's good to know that you still go and see friends, you know, for like keeping the sailing back to your roots in a way. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a big part of, um, especially for my saying, I, I love being able to go and you know see my sailing friends I, I respect all my sailing friends and think that you know personally I, they're, they're my best friends and hopefully will be for a long time and I'm sure that the people you're sailing with now you are still sailing with in the 4.7 and maybe even the oppie as well yeah definitely um some of them some of them I knew in oppies but I didn't know them too well and then a lot of the people that I sail with like Kai James Angus Finn all that kind of group, um, and Arthur, um, who are like everyone in the squad, effectively in four point sevens, radios and standards. We've we've all known each other since four point sevens. So the winter of twenty sixteen seventeen, you transition from the Oppie into a standard, and your first international was in Mercia in Spain, and the worlds were in Newport, where you got into Goldfleet for the first time. How was that first year racing in? 2017 in the 4.7 full time so i remember i remember um mercia was my first international event uh, i'd been to lake garda in the office but that was more for a holiday and just to see what it was like obviously it's a brilliant place um but mercia was quite a windy event and i remember i think i don't i think i might have even got emerald fleet or bronze fleet which is still a still a good result for first events and continuous um and i, I just really enjoyed it and then i remember newport was um there was four days of qualifying, and, and Kai Walgram will remember this, that the first three days were really light winds. And I remember me and Kai would go complete opposite ways, and we'd always meet at the windward mark in a relatively good position. And then it got to 
the gold fleet and it was windy every single day for like three days and I think if I'm honest I think I came second to last in probably every race if not last <laughs> but it was part of the learning curve and it was it was amazing fun and I enjoyed it it's a tough venue Newport like you said it's either you know very windy or not much wind and there's a lot of tide to deal with as I'm yeah. sure you'll agree yeah well, I think I remember um, on the first day of um, the gold, silver, bronze, emerald. I think someone had one of the really new sails on, and I remember him getting stuck on the committee boat. And I remember his boat coming up and ripping all of his sail, which showed how windy it was, considering that he must have lost lost control. Yeah, that's not good. You, you managed to avoid any black flags that week. Um, oh god, I don't remember. Did I? Did I? Obviously, you didn't pick up too many, else you wouldn't have made golf fleet. Yeah, I got. Um, I remember I had um, out of maybe seven or eight races for qualifying, I had maybe six of them were top tens, um, which I was really happy about because I didn't really know how I'd done it. And then obviously we got into the gold fleet and I don't think I got above a top 40. Right, because of the wind changing. Yeah, because of how much different it was. And it was split, was it split into three or four with the other emeralds as well? Um, I think... I'm not too sure. There might have been three or there might have been four. But it was quite a large event. It was quite a large event. The 4.7 is a, a you know, mass number event and tends to be split either three or four ways compared yeah. to with a standard, which is often only split, you know, gold, silver, especially at the under-21 events. Yeah, yeah, next year. So when you, uh, you know, you finished that event, you had a good result there. 38th I think it was and um, no sorry 58th 58th and uh, then you stayed in the 4.7 another year then you finished 38th at the 2018 Worlds what was the major changes that went did you get into youth squad or so I think I think I yeah I got into the winter squad that year um, which I wasn't in the previous year and that was my first uh, national squad and I, we did a lot of training with um, Martin Boatman, James Haddon. I also did a lot of training from Royal Limington and just uh, in general sailing with um, my dad and uh, Jack Weverell and in, our, in the same old group that we've been with since the start, all the boys. And I think that's what's progressed us the most, being in the same group from the start. We all know how each other works. We all know how each other likes to train. And I think that makes a really big difference. And seeing you guys in the boat park, from my point of view, you all seem to have a very tight group, good dynamic with each other, which is very similar, I think, to the the P3 squad and the P1, P2 squad. So hopefully you guys can all stick together and progress each other up through that youth squad into the British Lane team and beyond, really. Yeah, I think it would be love, like really good to see all the boys that have been doing well now and before um moving up to the next steps as a group be nice for everyone i think so in those early days who would you in the 4.7 who would you say were the 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 fast people in a way maybe in the breeze you weren't the quickest but who would you say was the quickest then in in the breeze in the four point in the breeze um finn's always been a relatively beastly at hiking so is james arthur's always been good in the breeze 
um, Tom Mitchell used to be really good in the breeze. We all used to just be really confused how he could just hike and just didn't feel it compared to all of us. Um, I think that they they were the main windy weather beasts, we could say. <laughs> and then light winds, you obviously were up there. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I like the light winds. Even though Kai was one of the bigger ones, he was still good in windy weather, obviously. He, he was always relatively quite good in the light winds as well. Um, Angus was decent, good in the light winds. Um, who else was there? I can't even think of all the boys now that I think about it. Well, I think I think we, if I'm honest, we were all quite equal, and I all, I think when we were in 4.7s, especially, it depended on the week, who was going to do well, and who who was in the right conditions for them, and what they enjoyed the most. I think. I think that's really good as well. The fact that in your sort of little group and your little squad, that each one of you as your own speciality so you can all learn off each other from a different point of view and in their different skill set and move each other forward in that way rather than having one person who's better in all conditions kind of thing do you find find that dynamics quite good yeah definitely and everyone brings say same with um moving into this new squad now it's good to be training with new people as well because it you know you learn things from others that you wouldn't know before so then after 2017, you then, sorry, after 2018, sorry, you then went into the radial. You told me earlier, though, you didn't initially get into the radial squad. How come was that? Was that results-based or? So I remember, um, I think, I think Finn, out of the, the group that we'd been all together from 4.7s to radials, I think Finn Dickinson was the only one because at that point it was the likes of, um, Matt Beck, Tom Parker, Stafford Fry, all of those kind of guys were in the radio squad. And I think Finn was the only one to get in out of us guys. So we did as much training as we could do from Weymouth. We had um, Jack coaching us most of the time. And we had like our own little squad almost. And I think that really helped because we had the same same eight people all the time um, training most weekends. And it, it made a big difference and helped us get into the squad for the summer or winter, I think it was that year. So you didn't initially make the squad, but you put in the work, and then did you make the the squad in the summer? Summer. Yeah, I think I made the summer squad that year. Yeah. So, what was so? Would you just say that was down to pure hard work, and just to get the results in? I think. I think. Um, considering that we weren't in the squad, we probably put in a. Um, a lot of time um, separate separate to the squad without the squad being involved which made and it also made us want to beat the people that were in the squad which helped a lot because we were like oh we want to be the next squad we we want to beat the guys that are in the squad which I think helped a lot for, I think everyone thought the same thing and everyone was motivated in the same way I think that really shows something that you know you'll get setbacks in your sailing career but it's how you move forward from that and at that point, it shows that not just yourself, but the other guys you're training with were wanting to put each other forward to get into that squad to make sure that you didn't get that standard RYA email saying, sorry, you haven't made the squad. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say, so we've talked about the OPI to the 4.7, what would you say the main difference, because the cut's different from the 4.7 to the radio, and 
the bottom section is not bent in the four point uh, from, uh, in the radial. Sorry, in the four point seven, it is. What do you say yeah. the differences are? Obviously, the, moving up from a four point seven to a radial, it didn't affect me as much as I'm, I've always been relatively small. But um, the the booms a lot higher, and there's always also a lot more power at the bottom of the rig, um, at the foot where the outhaul. So it means that we had to adjust the controls a bit differently, you know, learning all of that stuff. But I think once we'd, once we'd got that, it was just mainly um, technique stuff for the radial that's different to the 4.7. For those who haven't sailed the 4.7, I'm right in thinking that it's basically a Mark One standard sail that's just cut down sort of thing. So it's very flat. It's not got any shape at all. Is that... Yeah, it's really weird. Like I've um, obviously recently been moving into a stand, and I've almost thought that it's it's closer to a four point seven rig than it is my in is the radial. Oh, okay. Um, which is which is weird to think about, and obviously it was a long time since I've been in the four point seven. So, but I I feel like the standards are a lot similar to the four point seven than it is the radial. That's really I'm interesting because the Mark Two was brought in to make it closer to a radial, you know, well, it's radial cut. Uh, it's interesting that you think that the 4.7 is still closer to the standard today than the radio is. I think I think the way you sail it is. Okay. Um, not not the actual sail and the cut maybe, but I think um, like for example, I've only been sailing the boat a few month, well, a month or two maybe, and I feel like it does stall a little bit easier if you if you're not sailing properly, like I'm not quite yet. Yeah. Um, which in the 4.7 it was very similar whereas in the radial you were quite lucky because you could well I could pinch all the time and it wouldn't really stall because of how deep it was okay yeah so in 2019 you've done the worlds and you're second Brit only behind Finn Dickinson 33rd overall and you ended up beating James Foster on countback <laughs> so you got one up on your mate there what well, did you ha- did you know how close it was going into the final day or? Um, I'm I remember it was in Canada. Um, uh, was it Canada? Yeah, it was Canada, yeah. and we'd had a. Um, it was amazing. I, I I really loved to go back. It was one of the most enjoyable events I've been to. Um, and if I'm honest, I didn't realise we were that close. But I remember coming in, and I remember because obviously it's always going to be in the back of my mind. You want to beat your friends, um, and I think me and James both knew. We well, actually, I take that back. Me and James both didn't have a clue who had beaten each other, but we, I bet, I bet James was thinking it, and I definitely was. So, I think we had no clue. But yeah. Well, going going into that final day, you outscored James by twelve points. So, it you know you must have both been thinking, ah, oh, knowing the points gap. I'm sure you were both looking at the results, knowing sort of where you were, but at the same time, you don't really know and, and that's the the joy of sailing but when you're out in Canada was there anything that you enjoyed about there maybe outside of the sailing did you spend more time there or did you just literally fly in for the events so, yeah uh, we went up to Canada a little bit earlier we went to Niagara Falls and stuff um, which was also like really cool and it was especially it's a bit different isn't it because normally for sailing events you go straight to the venue or, or for us sometimes we drive to the venue so you know go to all the service stations around Europe yeah um but this time we went to Niagara Falls and I think it was really nice because you obviously got there and you were able to chill for about two weeks before the actual event, which was really different and it actually helped quite a lot, I think. And it was it was just amazing. And I was also lucky enough because I was 
I stayed with Kai that week and we had a um, a house next to the lake. It was really cool because we could almost watch the racing from where our house was if we weren't sailing. Slash, you could see the other boats out when we weren't out, which also helped. And uh, did you did you end up going to the Hockey Hall of Fame in uh, Toronto when you were just? <laughs> um, or... No, we didn't actually. I know, I know oh. you like your hockey, but we, <laughs> didn't, we, we didn't make it there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, next time you're back, you definitely have to go along. Your old coach in uh, James Haddon's been and. He'll he'll tell you about it as well how how it's a good place to go. But Niagara Falls is a, a a great place. And did you end up going on the the little the tour the tour boat? Uh, we didn't go was on it? the boat. We no. we did try and go underneath it, but we couldn't really see anything because there was a lot of water going over the top of us. Yeah. Oh, so um, were you out on a boat anyway then? Or um, no, we there was like a uh thing where we could like walk underneath. Oh yeah. And um and almost like you were behind the waterfall. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, a lot of the events in, in on the continent, especially when you drive to them, it's it's just the standard service station, and it's quite nice to go off continent and have these new experiences of not driving to an event and flying in. And did you charter for that one or put your boat um, in the container? I had, I had my boat in the container for that week, so I used my boat from home, which I also think helped because it was like I knew how it worked. Well, it sounds stupid, but I had my own stuff, had my own equipment. And it, it just made it a bit easier. It's amazing how a one design boat can, you know, have that similarity of knowing your own boat and having a charter boat. I've been in that position. I'm sure you've been in that position where it just it feels a bit disjointed sometimes. Yeah, I think they, they obviously they are all one design, but I feel like there is for some reason a slight variation. And I think obviously just in general, it's probably mental as well knowing that it's all your own kit, um, you know it works, you know how it works, all, all that stuff. So it is probably more mental than it is actual different. And then after that, after the Worlds, you then came back to UK, of course, and then the the winter of 2019-2020, were you constantly thinking about then transitioning into a standard? or? So hmm. I... So the winter, that winter, I was still in the radio. Um, and if I'm honest, I knew I knew some of the other boys had started thinking about standard, but I hadn't because I was, if I'm honest, I was probably still 65 kilos, if not less, um, which is, to be honest, still too light for a radio because you probably want to be about 70, 71, 72. Yeah. Um, so I was still just thinking about the radio because obviously this year I wanted to win the radio youths and uh, go to Brazil, which sadly got cancelled because of Corona. But that's not the end of the world. Yeah, you have many more events to be able to go and compete, and but was every sort of negative there is a positive, and it was coronavirus hitting the opportunity for you to then make that switch into a stand and try and put on some weight, try and bulk up a bit. So, so I we didn't really know what to expect, like everyone with coronavirus, but I got quite fortunate to be able to go down to Weymouth. Um, when the first lockdown was eased. So um, I stayed with James Foster and we, we were able to sail with all the, the current standard boys, like Christian, Joe Drake, James Percival Cook. And we were also fortunate to get out with Mickey Beckett, Elliot Hansen, you know, Sam Whaley, Dan Whiteley, that, that kind of group. So we, we gained a lot this summer um, through just meeting new people, obviously social distance, and um, just being able to go on the water with 
people that are way better than us, to be honest, which helped a lot. Being on the walls for people that better, you're only going to elevate yourself if you, you know, stay focused and put the time in. And yeah. And what are you weighing in at now? Have you put on much weight, or are you still at sixty-five kilos? Um. Yeah, I've gained a little bit of weight. Um. I'm I'm over seventy at the moment. Hopefully, I'm, obviously, I haven't weighed myself recently. I'm just trying to um go slowly, gradually. Um. I don't want to gain too much too fast because I want to be able to hike. Yeah. Um. I know some people have tried to gain a lot of weight and actually it just doesn't work. So I know I can make it work um, being slightly lighter, but obviously I have got to gain the weight. It's just going to be a bit slower. I personally think gradually changing your weight is better rather than quickly changing as your body will often you know, go into panic mode, especially if you try and cut too much weight or try and put on too much weight and not know what's happening. So I think what you're doing, just doing it steady is good and you know, you'll eventually get there. Of course, you can yeah. you can still sail the, the boat. It's just more difficult. You look at people like Anthony Park, Jack Aitken, back in the day, never really weighing in more than 72 kilos. And they still were able to make the boat perform. But they'll tell you that they probably would have wanted to put on a few more kilos come the end of their years in the standard because it's the senior fleet where it really makes a difference, I feel. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be able to get up some weight i might not be able to get to 85 but i'll be able to get some more weight on and i'll I'll make it work for myself you know just sail the boat slightly differently it's just it's just learning the the weight difference once again yeah um and as well it's just knowing your strengths and you know your weaknesses and just trying to work on those weaknesses and make those strengths into super strengths in a way yeah of course definitely so you said that you were training a lot with the boys this summer in the standard and then you done the, the you went back to the radial for the nationals and uh why, why was that was were you sort of thinking okay one last event in the radial see how well i do or so, you... so this summer was really weird for me because obviously i was staying with james and he he wanted to go to the standard because he's, he's he's bigger than me he's able to he's pretty much perfect weight i think or for from what i think at least um and obviously all the boys that were there were in the standards. So we were going to sail with them. So that's why I was in the standard. Otherwise, if I'm honest, I probably would have been into the radial most of the summer. But I think it benefited me going into the standard um, a lot. And, and there was once or twice when we went out racing with um, Elliot Hansen and Mickey and Sam, Dan, Joe, Christian, all those guys. And I was in the radial and they were in the standards. And I was able to keep up a bit better than I would have been in the standard, if I'm honest. But... I think the main reason why I wanted to sell the radio was because of the youths that was potentially going ahead. And that was the event that I really wanted to do properly and go for that one. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the, the radio youths got cancelled, but inadvertently, the, the, the standard youth nationals was combined with the qualifier and uh, you were able to walk away victorious from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was quite happy about that. I hadn't actually realised it was the Youth Nationals until the, the Saturday evening slash Sunday morning when I think, it, I've forgotten who told me, but Dad, Dad actually told me it wasn't because he didn't want me to think about it. Um, but yeah. But when you went across the line in the last race, you, I remember seeing your dad come over. Did he tell you then that it was the Youth Nationals or was it um, only I, when you got ashore? I did, I did kind of knew, no, because... 
um, James and Kai had told me, um, and I think Nick had told me. Um, so I did kind of know already, but obviously just wasn't sure if I if I'd actually was first youth or not because everyone else was doing quite well. You know, it was, it was quite good racing. Everyone had good races. Everyone had bad races. It was a very tough and very close event, especially in that you had the sort of British sailing team out front as you often do, but then you had a very tight pack behind. And I think what helped you in the end was just consistency. Every single win with Mark rounding, you were rounding in, you know, the top six, seven sort of thing every time. And I think that really benefited. Yeah, definitely. I think consistency always pays off, even if it's not just for events. It's just in general going along at the same, you know, going along, getting similar results. And then one day it will get better and get better and better. What what do you put that down to at that last event? Was it down to your starts? Do you feel that you executed starts and got out into clean air? Or was it you just knew where to go up the beat? So I, I don't I don't really know why, but I looked at that event slightly differently. So I, I'd almost I was using it as a um to start with I'd spoken to, to my parents and my dad about um using that event as a process event for the youths because at that point the radial youths hadn't been cancelled. So I was like focusing on certain points, learning where I'm like a bit weaker so that I can focus that on the next week. And I think on the Saturday, you know, I think most like all of the guys that were use we all were very very close i think you know nick charlie james they all had really good days as well i think it was really close saturday evening i think the only reason that i was able to to win was a bit of the light wins on the sunday um yeah and you 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 actually managed to separate yourself from that group with just being consistent you put in two thirds that day and um really separated yourself from that group yeah i think i think confidence as well like i i i do like light wins for some reason and i think just just knowing that you like a certain condition more than others even though i love windy weather i think it does help um mentally and i think also mickey won't know that i've said this but in the first race i rolled mickey off the start line <laughs> and you know that for me was a confidence boost so huge confidence boost i'm sure <laughs> felt a bit bad but it's got to be done that, that's something you should you know could write in your uh, you know tinder bio <laughs> but um as well not just that we i remember going into the last race me and you were tied on points and um <laughs> you know it was close racing i i en- ended up getting a black flag but you know you managed to, you know, squeeze in front of me as well. And I was, uh, I was like, oh, Drew's somebody to watch out for now. And uh, for sure, I think you'll keep on progressing if you keep doing what you're doing. And I know for sure that, you know, you're always asking questions. I think that anybody that's young and wanting to improve, if they're just asking the questions, people will answer them. You just got yeah, to keep putting in that time and try and focus on what you know to try and improve on and if you don't know making sure you ask the people that probably do know now yeah any do you have any other interests besides sailing then what do you do in your downtime so um when it's when it's way too windy to go sailing um i like going surfing just down at the beach 
bodyboards. If not, if it's too windy, no bodyboards just get smashed by the waves. Um, and then when it is when there's no sailing or it's during the week, maybe after college, I enjoy going just normal surfing down at Bournemouth, which is really good. Um, I've also I've also recently started a uh, online fitness sessions for juniors and youth sailors. So if anyone wants to do that, message me. It's on Monday evenings at five thirty. 45 minutes high intensity quite good <laughs> and how do people contact you through that is that on instagram or is that yeah they can message me on instagram facebook and i'll, I'll send them to link to uh come through and join it it's really good specific to sailing so and for people that don't know you instagram already what is your instagram handle uh so on instagram i'm a drew barnes underscore sailing and i think on facebook it's drew barnes sailing or just drew barnes so that's 5.30 on a Monday. So if people are interested, go check that out. And surfing-wise, how do you get into that? Was that, again... So I, I, surfed, I surfed when I was really young, like uh, in year, year five and six, probably when I was like 10 to 12. Um, and then I stopped doing it. Well, I still did it, but not as much because of sailing. I just kind of forgot about it. Had my surfboards in the garage just collecting dust. And then um, recently, um, since the lockdowns, I think surfing's quite safe and easy to get to because i can just sling my board on my bike or even my car and just go down to the beach without be breaking any rules um not that we would be anyway but it's just easier to get out on the water and it still means i'm on the water enjoying myself i think that's a big thing i know a lot of people in sailing also do appreciate going surfing especially when it's too windy um yeah and then getting back to sailing what are your plans for this winter? You said that you're, you know, in a little squad at the moment. Just, do you want to elaborate on that? So yeah, so I've just um, got into the laser standard transitional squad, which I'm pretty happy about. It seems like we had our first training weekend last weekend from Friday to Sunday, which showed me that I need to gain some strength, weight, and fitness because it was windy and it was hard work, but it was really good fun. And all the boys in the squad is really good nice group of people there's no one no one bad everyone's fun everyone's good at sailing um and they all want it which is the main thing and i think that's what we'll keep pushing for and jack weatherall and james gray the coaches for that is that right yeah james yeah jack and james yeah two very good coaches and next year you hoping to do some international events the under 21s maybe a couple senior events or yeah so obviously for everyone that doesn't know the the stand is it the under 21s are in weymouth next year yeah i believe that it's the worlds i believe in weymouth yeah that's that's obviously um a highlight that i'm definitely going to be trying to do um obviously it's home waters most english sailors well gb sailors will have um hopefully more of an understanding than international sailors so it's it's a good chance to get your name out there and try and have a good international event and I think the best thing you can do is just sail at Weymouth as much as you can, really, to gain yeah, that it experience. Is a, venue. It's a good training venue. I really enjoy it for, for the ease of, you know, getting your boat there, going sailing, getting them off the water, hopping over to Lidl. Yeah. The usual. <laughs> so very convenient now there is a Lidl there to to get your... Especially when they're doing gels in there. Yeah, they do do them sometimes yeah. as well. But and, it's, you know, um, the middle aisle you can find anything in there oh perfect but the, the biggest thing about Weymouth is not having any sand on the boat when you come in and often <laughs> you've said already about Gdynia 
you know, they don't have sand in the harbour, but they've got these tiny little pontoons and launchings, a nightmare. Whereas, mm. you know, Weymouth's got a hu- that huge slipway. It's very easy to launch from. Yeah, definitely. It, it does make everything a bit easier at Weymouth. Yeah. So, you've also been experimenting a bit with the, the 49er. Is that sort of something maybe... What 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 would you prefer? What what do you enjoy more? Do you prefer the laser or the forty nine, or is it two totally different experiences? So so, uh, put me on the spot now. Um, the, the, the I enjoy the laser currently. Obviously, that's it's the boat. All my friends are there. Um, I know how to sail it to a relatively good level. Not at the moment now that I've moved to the standard, but I know how to sail the laser and I enjoy it. The forty nine is a different ball game. It's it's a lot faster <laughs> um, and there's a lot more to think about, which in lasers you don't have to think about, like rigging. Well, it's got two set, free sails. Um, so I think at the moment it's just testing um, and uh, hopefully this winter and in the next few weeks I'll be able to get out a bit more. I'm, try- I'm trying it with Theo Williams in the 49er. I'm just going to you know, try it out, see how it goes and then possibly, possibly that's a way to go forward. Going back to a laser, moving back to the international events, are you planning to do any maybe training abroad? or? Um, so I did look at going out to Malta where we did the youth squad. Um, I think anyone would agree with me that if you're able to get out abroad, you know, especially when it's now getting colder, it's, ama- it's, it's amazing what you can gain. And I, I've seen some people, some people out in Malta, some people out in um, Villa Mora, and I think... Um, it is good if you can get out there and do it. So may- maybe, um, maybe at the end of January, uh, I'd be able to get out there. But it's all a big, maybe with especially with all the coronavirus and college work and everything that's going on at the moment, which is a bit uneasy. It's it, like you said, it, it it's all up in the air, especially with you know the pandemic that's going on. But I 100% agree with you, having trained in the UK through the winter, especially when it gets cold and it's snowing, you just don't have the motivation to get out in the first place. And then when you get out, you only really have, you know, an hour of productivity, especially when it's really cold, where you before your hands and your toes just start to really, you know, seize up and getting <laughs> yeah, abroad, definitely. you don't have that problem, especially when it's nice and warm like Malta or Villa Mora. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously if I could go out there I would um it's definitely been looked at at the moment, um, and I think if there's a chance for me to go out there, then I'd love to try and try and go. Definitely. That's superb. Thanks for talking with us today, though, Drew. And it's yeah, hopefully you. a lot of people, especially those who are wanting to transition through the four point seven, the radio and the standard, will have a better understanding of the differences and what you've experienced. And hopefully, more younger people will be in the class moving forward. And yeah, definitely. The more the more youngsters, the better. You know, everyone's um, the more people, the better. And I think that that's the main thing. You know, the more people that you know, the the more enjoyable it is. And I think it once everyone gets to know everyone, it makes it loads better too. Yeah, hundred percent. Thanks again, Drew. And if you haven't talked to Drew, I highly recommend it because he's a great person to have a chat with in the boat park. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, well. See you sometime soon, Drew. Thanks again. Cool. Thank you very much.